It is Sunday, January 14th, 2018. I'm Anthony. I'm here with Michael. And this is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are often the reality. Let's get into it. Good morning, enthusiasts. Hey, how's it going? Anthony and Michael here uh, on a beautiful uh, sunny day in uh, in Toronto. Canada. Yeah, it's not bad. Kind of cold. Yeah, a little bit chilly. Been cold the past couple of weeks. Some and crazy weather. It warmed up. One day it was plus, actually Friday morning I was driving to work. It was plus nine. Oh, yeah. By the time I got to work, it was zero. And by noon, it was minus nine. Uh, no, uh, minus two mm-hmm. and by four it was about minus nine and it felt like minus 16 i think it was yeah like, like we, it was a huge change from like w- yeah. literal warm weather well warm spring standards, spring, spring weather. weather and then back into the arctic yeah like deep winter i mean we i say crazy weather almost every week i feel like on this podcast but this week was legitimately crazy Strange. weather it was raining only and then way, snowing all in the same day yeah. and only way it'd be crazier is if we had like wildfires and, and earthquakes if we were in thank, california thankfully we don't thankfully live in an area with that kind of stuff exactly and yeah. actually there were some really bad mudslides in california this i did hear uh, you know, our thoughts go out to uh, to everyone over there and, and hopefully they uh they're doing okay um yeah. and shout outs to the rescue efforts over there in california good luck uh we have a pretty loaded show today uh quite a well, bit lots of information i mean yeah. we did say it was going to be the start of the detroit auto show mm-hmm. and um start of si 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 uh, that's s-i-double-h for those yeah s-i-double-h or the salon international de la haute horlogerie so we have a big car show and a big watch show going on at the same yeah. time, beginning of the year. So and everyone's horny to show off their new stuff. Yeah, and uh, the Detroit Auto Show, I don't know if it actually started for the public or if it was just been media days so far, or if it even started fully. Like yeah. the, both of these shows are just at the like the brink of starting. Exactly. Um, SIWH, I don't think has started yet because I'm seeing a lot of. Um, Instagram stories and Snapchats from guys flying into exactly Geneva. flying in, um, but still uh, some stuff has come out. Oh, for both a lot, yeah. and just even last night, mm-hmm. and we're obviously we're recording uh, on Sunday, and just over Saturday night there was quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, so like we we've had to alter our talking points just to just to keep up. Yeah, it seems. Um, uh, in the car world, it's pretty Ford heavy mm-hmm. and truck heavy in general, even from some other um, uh, competitor brands. Yeah, um, and then we got a pretty uh, different story from the watch world. Something you don't really usually see, but something something we are interested in nonetheless because there's drama. There's drama afoot in the watch world right now. Yeah, and um, of course, there's been a couple releases um, already, uh, but we'll get into that probably more so next week when we have a little bit more time to stray away from this drama. Yes, exactly. Um, but I think before we get into all of the the new the new current events and stuff, um, we're we're gonna maybe start a new segment of just what's going on in, in Anthony and Mikey's world. Yeah, just something short. Cars and, and obviously, we will have um, larger talks if something more yeah. prominent pops up. Yeah. But just in general, what's going on? Yeah, a little um, segment before the current events that's a little bit more you know it's a, it's more personal and, and you guys yeah. got to know us a little bit better. Um, so, Mikey, did you want to start? Yeah, so I don't know if I ever mentioned on the podcast, my brother, um, I do have a brother, he ordered a new Golf R uh, yes. from Volkswagen. Very, very he, nice, good um, choice. 
ordered it from the factory, so he spec'd it to his liking. And he's been waiting maybe about two months now. It's not too long of a wait for the Volkswagens. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, earlier last week, I asked him, so when did you hear if it's arrived in Halifax yet? Because, of course, when vehicles are coming from Germany, they often arrive by boat to Halifax. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, yeah, they, they said it arrived, but I found something on... Oh, what, what did I say the website was called? VW... Vortex. VW Vortex, mm-hmm. which I have no idea what that is. VW owners will probably know it. Uh, apparently, when I went on the website, there was Audi, there was Bentley, there was yeah. Volkswagen, so I don't know, whatever. Um, so it's just a website. And he said um, that he found out that the boat that his car was on, which he said held like thousands of cars, is that Realistically, yeah, they come over on they come over on those big um, and and it holds thousands of cars. Crate, yeah, oh yeah, okay, definitely, hundred percent, like tens of thousands. You think they're gonna? You think they're gonna send a ship across the ocean if it doesn't have? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to visualize this massive rig and like ten thousand cars is a lot of vehicles. It's a lot, yeah, but I guess hey, you're saying that they can. I guess they can. So he said, yeah, he told me there was about ten thousand cars, ten thousand, eleven thousand cars on there, and. um he found out that actually 700 Volkswagens, not Golf Rs, um, he said there were only about 50 Golf Rs on the boat, but 700 Volkswagens have sh- shifted in transit, and they actually all got totaled. Yeah. So I guess he's just trying to wait to find out if his was one. Yeah, it reminds me of the story of our of our buddy Pat, who has a Mini, and uh, remember they found right. out his Mini but had see, that water was, damage? That was, hey, you know what? It could end up good for my brother too, but mm-hmm. um, the water damage because they stored the vehicles out in Halifax for mm-hmm. like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all Minis. And he had just a, I think it was just a standard Mini Cooper. Yeah. Um, and what happened was they ended up writing off all the cars. Yeah. And him in particular, I don't know if, if it's because his dad was a good customer, uh, repeat customer or something, or he just got luck. He lucked out. But they ended up giving him for the same price, uh, fully loaded Cooper S, which is yeah, that, that's which is solid, awesome. super cool yeah. car. His was a manual transmission. They could only offer him an automatic because and that would have been the deal the breaker for me. That would have been the deal breaker. Really? Yeah. For him, it didn't it didn't matter yeah, that much. So he a regular he, person would take that in a heartbeat, right? Because yeah. you're getting a higher model, same yeah. price. Why not? More practical. So that's yeah. what he did, and yeah. he lucked out incredibly. And then about two months later, he got a, uh, I guess what would um what did he say it was. I think a, like a cap from the wheel from a transport truck went right through the grill of his car. Jeez. On the highway. He has a, what does he drive now? Still, Still the, the, the Mini. The Cooper oh, S, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. It's a cool little car. Yeah. I, I haven't driven it. Um, I've been in it, but it's, it's a Mini. I would like to drive the manual transmission. I've only driven, when I used to work at Canadian Tire, shout out to everyone who knows what Canadian Tire is. Well, if you're in Canada, you will. Uh, but when I drove uh, a couple of different Minis at Canadian Tire, I really liked them. Especially the interior, how it was, yep, how it was uh, set up. But really cool, very very cool car. Oh, excuse me, some hiccups here. Jeez, too many espressos this morning. Yeah, too much caffeine. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I'll give you guys my little uh, my little tidbit. Wait, you uh, didn't finish about your the mini. What were you saying? Just really cool. Oh, yeah, I really like them. I, I, I don't think so. I'd ever own one, but driving I them mean, is really fun. They kind of seem too expensive for me, but. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, for what they are at that at that in that market. I'd probably go uh, like Barth. a Barth, a Barth. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think and and again, shout out to our friend Pat. He used to have an uh, a no a Fiat five hundred. Yeah, he, never, he wanted the a Barth. Barth, but even then, mm-hmm. did you ever drive it? Uh, no. He, that was a manual transmission. It was fun. Yeah, it was like a, it, I mean, it was like a little go kart. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. They're just light and tiny. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, I have a little bit of watch news. If you guys follow our Instagram, you would have seen that my uh, my strap code bracelet for my SKX came in. Yeah. So I was able to put a nice bracelet oh, on it. That looks good. Um, the unfortunate thing about that is if you are an SKX owner, which a lot of people are, it's one of the first watches a lot of people buy because if you go online and type in, you know, uh, first automatic, you're either going to see Seiko 5, uh, maybe a, a Tissot yeah. or, or the System 51 or the Seiko SKX. Right. Uh, you know, all, so. all value proposition watches. Exactly. And uh, there's endless, endless reviews on YouTube and stuff for the SKX. Fantastic watch. Now, if you plan on changing the strap on your SKX, it's likely going to be the first strap that you'll ever change. And one thing you may notice is that Seiko ships SKX models, and I think a majority of Seikos are shipped with non-shouldered, um, what are they called? Spring bars. Yes. Meaning that your spring bar does not have a ridge that you can use to pry it open and yeah. to the well, uninitiated pry, pry, compress, compress open. To the uninitiated, you don't know what I'm talking about, but to anyone who's ever replaced a strap, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You know the struggles. Yeah. So Unless you have a Panerai, of course. Well, okay, sure. Or unless you have a a plunger spring bar. Those are good, too. Those are amazing. I I replace straps on my Ming in in seconds. Oh, Panerai Radomir, by the way, not the Luminor. Luminor has spring bars. Ah, I see. Um, You saw the Panerai. Yeah. They unscrew and pop up. Yeah, exactly. Um, Paneristi thing. Yeah, of course, Paneristi. Yeah, how how did I know you were gonna bring that <laughs> up? Uh, but anyway, so I I, I mean, replacing uh, straps and removing spring bars is already a struggle, um, especially if you don't have a great spring bar tool. But to do that without shouldered spring bars is right. another level of frustrating. You almost and need like tiny, fine like tweezers or something to. It, you, all you have to do, you jam it in there. You say, "I don't care if I'm going to scratch the lugs," and you just Sadly. H- and hope that well, it comes out. Well, yeah, the SKX is fine. It, it can have a couple of scratches on the inside of the lugs. I, I think. I think at that point, if a watch strap came with non-shouldered spring bars, mm-hmm. I would hold off and order shouldered spring bars. Oh well, this this bracelet or does it not fit? No, the the bracelet comes with shouldered spring bars, so that I now have shouldered spring bars. No, I'm just saying in general on the SKX. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no they. Any spring bar will fit, right. but the SKX comes with non-shouldered spring bars. So now those are removed. Okay. I have a new bracelet it with came, new spring I, I, bars. I understood the opposite, yeah. that the new bracelet came with them. And the, okay. Yeah, and, gotcha. I, and I have to say, um, the only other bracelet I personally have is for my tag Aqua Racer from the mid-2000s. Yeah, we're both, we both don't have anything yeah. with the bracelet. I think really. bracelets right now, uh, the, leather, the leather band has come back because I think people are into the vintage aysthetic and the yeah. dress aesthetic. Yeah, the distressed um, look. Exactly. So the bracelet right now is, is maybe and rubber. a step back. A lot of people are into rubber. Rubber rubber's definitely come back and high quality rubber too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, bracelets for me are just, they, they feel good. They feel strong and, and sturdy. Yeah, it's got a weight to it. Yeah. So, and I wanted to, to change the look of the SKX a little bit, maybe um, uh, upgrade it a little bit. I think it looks mm-hmm. beefier on, on a bracelet. Um, but I will say if you're out there and you're like the hundreds of thousands of people who started off with an SKX and it came on the rubber strap or even the standard steel Jubilee bracelet, mm-hmm. a lot of people complain about it. They say it's kind of flimsy. The strap code uh, bracelets are fantastic. They're 75 bucks, stainless steel. The clasp is great. Uh, they are they are really, really well built. And they mount right up to the case of the SKX. There's no break in between. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're going to do your own research, but you will find that I think the strap code ones are the best ones out there for the money. Um, and then they come with nice shouldered 
spring bars, which you'll that's a bonus. You'll see if you're taking the, out the non-shouldered uh, ones, you will be in for a world of frustration. Uh, and but it's worth it at the end. So, I think we can maybe move into the show now if we have no we, other. We could, but you know, conveniently, I just closed all my tabs. Ah, I see. So maybe I think we'll, maybe we'll take a little break. Yeah, I think we're gonna take a quick break, and for you guys, we'll be back in half a second. And we're back. We are back. Back for more fun. Got all our tabs open. Finally. Safely. And secure. And actually, just before this, I hit record and hit stop right after it, and we had to re-record this. <laughs> but we are back, and we no are problem. on track. You're, we are we're, on track. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Back on track. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so let's so, jump right into what's going on in Detroit. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who don't follow the, uh, the auto show circuit, uh, the Detroit auto show. You know, one of the biggest in North America is currently happening. So. What was the what was the initial start date for the Detroit Auto Show? I think it was twelfth. The twelfth, yeah. I think it was just a I little bit earlier this week. And, yeah. and and that might just be for media. I think we discussed this before. Yeah, yeah. But either way, uh, still in its infancy this year. Oh, There's still yep. a, yeah, yep. a lot to come out, and we will cover. And that even in then, a lot has been shown already. Oh yeah. Like, well, previewed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it is honestly a lot of the news so, so far, uh, or the important news, mm-hmm. seems to be Ford centric. I think so, because especially in the bigger vehicles. Yes, yes, in their in their trucks, and I think they usually do that. They'll 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 pump out the truck info or the mm-hmm. SUV info the first couple of days, and then the sports car stuff will come later. Yeah, because that right? tends to be a little bit more exciting. Exactly. So you want it, you want to keep people waiting, yep. keep them a little bit into it. So uh, before we get into Ford, we should also mention uh, GM's rolled out uh, their new truck uh, or the, the, the full redesign for the 2019 Silverado. Mm-hmm. I took a quick look at it. It's good looking. But I also think the GM uh, for the last few years has been doing a good job with both their GMCs and their uh, Chevy trucks. So it's exciting to see what's coming from them, but it's it's much more exciting to see what Ford is pumping out because they are redefining their brand with yeah, a lot of the new like, stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look, uh, well, what do you want to start with, Mikey? I'll let you uh, take the take charge on this one. Um, well, actually, what took my notice the most, and we did mention last week that this week we would be, we would be touching on the uh, the F one fifty diesel mm-hmm. yeah. because that was kind of announced the week prior with no specs, yeah. Yeah, and there still really are no specs. It's pretty well the same information that we had back then was what we have now. But I think first off, we'll start with the uh, 2019 Ford Edge ST, Yeah, okay. which my first reaction to it when I saw it on Instagram when they first announced it was it's pretty attractive. It, I mean, the Ford Edge we know has, has been a hot seller for Ford. Yeah. When it came out in the early, I think it came out in what, 2008? Mm-hmm. Uh, around that time, it was it it reinvigorated Ford's uh, mid-sized SUV brand, just right. like the Ford uh, Escape did as well, the new Ford Escape. And and I think we they've been a little bit overdue for a performance variation, but there's no doubt that this is coming straight from the mindset that is hitting the whole uh, mm-hmm. auto industry right now, at mm-hmm. least in North America, we're shying away from sedans and performance sedans right. and moving into crossovers Yep. and performance crossovers. You can see here. Yeah. I, so I mean, everyone and their mother exactly. wants an SUV. Yeah. It's uh and, and I was just telling you uh, a little bit earlier, 
when we think about buyers, people who are going to be cross shopping this, it yep. might not be the same. Like what, what a lot of people think, it's not going to be the guys who are thinking, "Oh, do I want, um, you know, an entry level German uh, crossover that right. that comes with sportiness ingrained in the base model." Yep. It's actually probably going to be someone like the Taurus SHO customer, the guy who owned uh, a sportier Ford sedan for a good amount of time, mm-hmm. will probably be moving into this because. That's what I'm sure Ford is looking at. They're looking at their sedan customers moving into SUVs. Right. Uh, and and who knows what's going to happen to the sedans, mm-hmm. the Ford sedans. Those might just fall by the wayside. Uh, but uh, why don't you fill us in on a couple of the specs of this new vehicle, Mikey? Yeah. So it's set to release uh, in the summer of 2018, which is actually pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 2019 model year, obviously. Uh, it's got a twin turbocharged V6. Standard Ford. Yeah. 2.7 liter. Uh, it's only, I was going to say 2.7 yeah. liter, which is interesting. That is the entry level EcoBoost that comes in the F-150s. Yep. So surprising that they, they've really, they haven't just developed this 3.5 that works so well. Right. The 3.5 is going to be saved for the bigger vehicles like the Raptor, right. where the 2.7 seems to be the, you yeah. know, the entry level V6 twin turbo, but continue. Right. Uh, and it's only got about 20 horsepower more than the previous, uh, 2017 Ford Edge Sport. Yeah, because before the ST, they all the, the, their sport model was the sport exactly, uh, and there really yeah. wasn't much to it other than probably some sporty piping on the seats and giant wheels, and giant big wheels. wheels. I remember that. I yeah. think these comes with a twenty-inch option and a twenty-one-inch option. Yep, yep. Um, standard for red Ford. brake calipers, black wheels, black grills. Um, so you're getting three hundred thirty-five horsepower out of this, mm-hmm. as opposed to the three fifteen from the sport, um, and three eighty-one foot-pounds of torque. In an all-wheel drive. Yes. Um, so it's not hugely powerful. Yeah. Um, not too much more powerful than it's uh, it's past. But mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It, it, like, like, it, it's an ST. Exactly. Ford, their, their high-performance line is the RS. Yeah. Um, and maybe we can look forward to something like that in the years to come, especially with other... Um, Midside crossovers, I guess, would you con- consider a Grand Cherokee a midsize crossover? That's a tough one. Kind of going a little bit bigger. Yeah, um, yeah. But they've got, obviously, the SRT, mm-hmm. which is super powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, the ST seems to be attacking, uh, at least from, from Chrysler's position, the RTs. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure from Chevy's position. See, this is the thing. Uh, Chrysler's been doing it for a while now, uh, providing performance trim levels in all of their vehicles. Right. right, most Chrysler vehicles have an RT and an SRT model, uh, but Ford and GM have been late to that to that party. Yeah. And I'd like to think that it's because they don't have the in, the European influence the same right. way. Obviously, Ford true, and true GM enough. are both global brands, but right. what we get here are not always their global you, vehicles. With Chrysler, you've got Fiat, exactly, uh, and Fiat's at the helm. Yeah. However, this it, is a start. I yeah. think I think this is a start in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, uh, and look at uh, look at what Ford's done in the past two years. Right, they brought the Focus RS, which I think is one of their first global models. Right, right. the same Focus RS we get here is what they get uh, in Europe. You mm-hmm. know, with with some horsepower variants and whatever. Yep. But uh, but now you see an influence, a European influence at least, a performance SUV. Right. Audi, BMW, Mercedes have been have been known to offer yeah. performance uh, crossovers for a while I, now. I, th- I think in Europe, Ford tends to do better with their much smaller yeah. compact vehicles. Oh, for sure. Whereas in the smaller SUV game, you've got Range Rover with the Evoque, you've got yeah. Audi with the Q5 and SQ5. So, and it, obviously the BMWs and Mercedes with the GLCs and the mm-hmm. X3s. And so, I don't know how well, especially with this 
ugly interior how well it would that's, do in europe because that is the one thing yeah again they haven't announced pricing for this so that that'll be a huge factor but yeah. if it's anything priced similarly to a mid mid-range uh evoke i would say significantly less than that you think yeah ford does pretty well, I mean, you well can, I think offering you can, i think in canada you can get an evoke for probably mid to high 40s 50s i would say so but i think this will still be really? starting at like uh high 30s low 40s um the 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 st model the st model i mean it should i don't know if, if i can find anything on the pricing here let me go to the ford website yeah i don't know if it'll be up yet um well i'm just gonna see the the, the standard um <clears throat> edge. edge yeah right yeah. right now as we stand um but just to continue on while we're doing this about a little bit more about this ST, it's got paddle shifters, which mm-hmm. is always fun, you know. Uh, apparently, it puts it into a fully manual mode, according to Ooh, Motor fully, Trend. Fully manual? I don't know how true that is. I'm excited. Um, and it's got That's a... N- sarcasm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's got a new um, eight-speed automatic transmission. Okay. I mean, yes. The, the, it's going into the higher. And I think they've yeah. collaborated with GM, is it? To, to develop well, that's that transmission? the 10-speed. That's the 10-speed. Was it not this one as well? I don't think so. Okay. My bad. Um, I think the Ford 8-speeds are in-house, just like the GM 8-speeds are in-house. However, okay. let's here. Let's just crack this. We can go on for days about how much different this is about the previous Edge, but uh, mm-hmm. bottom line is this. Do you like the car? Do you like this, this performance SUV? I like the idea of it. Okay. But again, me saying that, would I ever buy one myself? Probably not, especially yeah. with the, how that interior looks. I, I agree there. Uh, and, and my Can take I interrupt on this, you for one second? Yeah, of course. The current 2017 Ford Edge Sport starts at $46,000 Canadian. Boo. That's a so lot of money. you're looking over $50,000 to start, I huh. think, given the trend. The mm-hmm. titanium is uh, $39,000. The Sport is $46,000. That's a jump mm-hmm. of $7,000. So, I mean, you're halfway through the 50s if, if it keeps the same trend. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to see when they release. And again, at that price pricing. point, you're getting up towards high-end Evoque, high-end X3. Yeah. You're looking at the Land Rovers, the Discovery. You can even get a, a, a Q5 S-Line. Q5 S-Line, you're looking yeah. at uh, the SQ5 is a little bit more, but yeah. you're getting a lot more with that. Mm-hmm. Any of the European cars, just the interior is very disappointing in this. I th- my thing is this. Uh, I think with Ford, this is the obviously the first Edge ST that we're seeing yep. to break the ground. Is it is it exciting? In my opinion, absolutely not. I don't care for these things. Really? I don't care. For, if you're going to sh- show me a performance SUV, show me something like the Trackhawk from, from uh, Jeep. Ooh, no, I'm total opposite. Well, that, either way, the, I think I that, think, that, I think that is a like performance the... SUV. This is, this is just a fill a void. And so from a marketing standpoint, it's necessary. And the Trackhawk is just a fill a void? Well, the, the Trackhawk is breaking ground. It's the fastest SUV in it's the completely world. Completely useless. I agree it's useless, but at least it does something. They're just doing it what? just to say that, ooh, we did this. Our dick's bigger than yours. Well, yeah, but at least they did something. They 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 uh-huh. they showed that they can make a an SUV launch like a muscle car. Right. In, interesting, and you can buy it for all around a hundred thousand dollars. Now, in saying it's that, not like uh, totally unattainable. The Trackhawk is developed off of the Jeep. Yes. In saying that, the SRT Jeep has been around for a long time. Yeah. They've had a lot of time to build upon that. Yeah. This is the first from Ford. I guess, but I, I don't know. It just, it's maybe it's too little. If they had released an, an edge RS that was making claims of like 400 plus horsepower. I don't think that's the right move. I know it wouldn't sell, 
but it would tickle my enthusiast interest. This right. does not tickle me. Wait, as an wait a couple years and then we'll reevaluate. See. Yeah, we'll see. I think I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, you you won't ever see me driving a Ford Edge ST, mm, or ever or ever recommending likewise. one to anyone. Likewise, uh, but I can appreciate where they're going yeah. and what they're trying to do. Yeah, I guess. Um, Ford stick with Raptors, stick with Mustangs. Let let the uh, you know what I guess they have to make a, something a little bit more exciting they gotta, for the rest yeah, they of the They got to be competitive right. in the market. Yeah, but uh, I, you're I basically telling them, okay, you know what? Don't bother because you're shit at this. Stick to what you're good at. Well, how could they do that? They got to compete. Of course, of course. I maybe I'm just tired of hearing about this this uh, Edge SD. <laughs> maybe because it's the, just not an it's not an, an enthusiast vehicle. It's I think that you know, with the, with the the fact that they released it in this blue color with the black rims, I think they're still playing off the hype from the Focus RS. Yeah, and it does have that aesthetic. It, and the GT three fifty R was released in that color. Exactly, uh, but it, it just does not represent what those cars represent. The Raptors will actually. Yeah. Well, there you go, uh, Ford Blue. Uh, but if if you blue don't mind, jeans. if you don't mind, Mikey, I think we should move on to an actual utilitarian and important release from Ford. You think this is important? I think so. Meh. Huge. Meh. Huge. What Anthony's referring to is the F-150 diesel. In diesel. The three-liter power diesel V6. So before we get it, actually, you know what? Maybe you should give the specs first on this truck. Do you have Do you have the, the, the specs on it, my spec man? Uh, there really are no specs. Oh, We man. got no, eight, no horsepower, no torque, no fuel consumption, no price. Okay. What we've got is it uses a three-liter power stroke diesel V6. Okay. Um, and it's the first one. Okay, so first, first from the light duty trucks. Let me tell you. Ford. Let me tell you this. Why do I think this is important? When you thought of pickup truck with a V six diesel, who would you think about? Like uh, light duty, like yeah, light duty half ton. Yeah, uh, I guess Dodge. That's the only other exactly. one. Exactly. So eco diesel. So to attack Dodge for their V six eco diesel. Yep. For release this. Now this is going to be. I'm sure they're trying to fill. I mean, because people still. I don't know why. But uh, people who haven't driven the new F-150s, I think, are still hung up on the fact of uh, two turbos strapped to a V6. They don't think that it, it can match their V8. Mm-hmm. But people and, are, are a little by, bit... By new F-150s, do you consider, like, just the 10-speeds or even the, 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 the six-speed transmissions? I, w- I would say Eco that boost. even if you drove with the six-speed, you yep. would still notice a, a huge... You would not need yeah. a V8 unless you want the sound, I think. You don't need a V8 if you try these the EcoBoost because the EcoBoost gives you all of the same but it's it's obviously more fuel efficient you're you're powering less cylinders you're mm-hmm. using forced induction you can't hold get that than thought that. more fuel efficient i'm going to mention something that we will touch on after yes let's just mention four billion dollar lawsuit coming to ford's way yes if you're saying more efficient. but wasn't that for their diesels but continue on that, what but that was, i'm talking about the eco boost yeah, that's fine yeah uh so Say efficiency in general the eco boost is a fantastic it's a fantastic thing for Ford. Yeah. And you see it now. They're putting it in everything. They're labeling every turbocharged motor they have an EcoBoost because, I mean, their, their first turbocharged motors were put in the trucks. Right. And I think that the majority of people who are well-informed can agree these EcoBoosts are phenomenal. Right. As far as performance, you'll blow the doors off any Hemi. My, my and I will go out there and say that. Performance is in actual hauling or speed? No. Let's talk about, let's talk about the most base uh, carnal instincts here. You pull up to a light beside a Ram. Get ready to blow the doors off that Ram if you have the 3.5 liter EcoBoost. Yeah. And if any Ram owner out there wants to suggest otherwise, tell you right now, first of all, go online, do your research. Second of all, come meet me at a red light, and and uh, you'll see I'll pull on you by car length. So, again, that's we, that's we, attracting the most carnal 
basic we've desires. Got a, we've got an edgy uh, Ford fanboy right here. Well, right not now. a Ford fanboy, but I'm just tired of this no. of this idea that oh, no no replacement for displacement. Can you get out of here? Yeah. We're moving away from internal combustion altogether. So mm-hmm. take your whole your your ancient antiquated idea of no replacement for displacement, throw it out the window because you're gonna get smacked by a four cylinder turbocharged pretty soon. Right. Anyway, that's like when I had my FX Ford. It was the I think that was the first of the first EcoBoost. gen EcoBoost. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was quite a bit of turbo lag, which now that I'm driving a 2016, they have fixed mm-hmm. it. And I'm sure even with the 2017 and the 2018, mm-hmm. it's even better. Yeah. Um, but there was one guy that I know, and I won't name who he is, who drives a Dodge Ram mm-hmm. uh, 1500 uh, Longhorn Laramie. Okay. I think that's like the top one, one with all the Western stitching and whatnot. Yeah, it's Longhorn. Kind of the King, the King Ranch competitor. Yeah. Um, he would always say, oh, it's not even a naturally aspirated engine. You, you can't pull anything with that. And I looked up the facts, and it couldn't actually pull a lot more, the EcoBoost. It, you, it could or it could. could. It yeah, could. It could. And the EcoBoost, Ford EcoBoost, compared to the same generation V8, can pull more. Exactly. More fuel efficient. It can pull more. It's quicker. Yeah. It just, it's just better in every way, other than there might be it might be susceptible susceptible to more issues. Yes. There's more, it's a more complex engine. You know, it it hasn't been tried and and tested as much as the V8s have, but end of the day, the EcoBoost was in my opinion, great move and a remarkable success for Ford. So now they're cornering the other half of the market for efficiency diesels. Mm -hmm. You know what you, they have a fantastic truck. Everyone knows the F-150 lineup. Uh, I think most people, if you're looking for a pickup truck, you've come across the F-150. They're not excluding it. On the other on the other hand, I will say when people are looking for pickup trucks, they probably do exclude Rams. They probably do exclude some uh, some Silverados or, mm-hmm. or GMCs um, because they look directly at Ford. Right. So why not give the people what they want, give them every option available for the truck? I think that's why it's important that Ford's releasing a diesel. And they're also giving right. people options that no other brand is giving. If you go to Ram, you either have your Eco uh, Diesel V6 or you have their Hemi V8. Yeah. And, you know, go go in the go tell your boys you bought a Hemi. Sure. Have a, have a good time with that. Uh, and I by no means I know people that own Rams. They're not all like that. Uh, but there are guys out there who specifically and there's guys buy that, a Ram. That, that, there's guys that have Ford that I mean, we've talked about. This yeah, truck, exactly. Truck yeah. guys are some of the worst. <laughs> yes, they can be. They can be. Um, uh, but and then also, if you go over to GMC uh, and and Chevy, yep. you have your pick between their diesel V8s or their uh, gasoline V8s. Their that's that, and then I think they also have a V6. They don't have anything turbocharged yet. Yeah. I don't believe GM doesn't have diesel half tons. Really? No. Just, so the Duramax just in, just in their is heavy only? duty. Oh, okay. So the only other one in in half ton mm-hmm. are, is the Ram with the Eco Diesel. Okay. So then all the others are twenty five hundred, thirty five hundred, forty heavy duties. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, either way, uh, I think that Ford all they're doing right now is offering the best truck yep. with the most options. And I'm now, not. I'm do you not think saying... this was a? I mean, given Dieselgate, which has been going just, on for the, yes. for the past couple of years. I kind of thought everyone was going to start getting rid yeah. of diesels. It's a ballsy move in this in this climate because Dodge yeah. had the diesel when yeah. that all happened, and I think like even my 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 dad was looking for a vehicle um, for an SUV a couple months ago, and he was had the idea of getting a diesel. Yeah, um, same, for as, what, same for as my dad. Whatever reason, and I tried finding him one, and they're 
very hard to find. Yeah. No, nobody's making them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at like German brands, Mercedes. Mercedes. Audi, yeah, no, nobody's stopped. making them anymore. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of surprised to see that the F one fifty is starting. They're releasing a diesel. Well, I like I said, I think that it's it's just a move on Ford's part to say, look, we've given you every different kind of trim level. You can go from a from a utilitarian truck all the way up to like a, a fucking what feels like a a luxury jetliner at, yeah. at, at some point. Uh, so why not have every engine option under the sun, every powertrain option under the sun? That's mm-hmm. I think what they're doing. Um, you know, they have a ten speed transmission, they have a six speed transmission, they have right. a, a V eight. They or sorry, yeah, they do have they do still have the the is it a Triton V eight? I forget what it's called. I forget. Yeah, I forget the name of it now, the specific designation, but they have the V eight, they have the twin turbo six, they have the smaller displacement twin mm-hmm. turbo six, now they got a diesel. It, they're giving the people what they want ultimately and uh and I think this is exciting. Uh we didn't know if they were gonna go in this direction yeah. to release a diesel. So now that they're doing it, but what's in your opinion? What's the benefit of what, convince me? Let, convince me to buy a diesel over the EcoBoost. Okay. Well, first we have to see pricing. Yeah. Sure and fuel, again, there's no economy. specs. There's no specs yeah, out exactly. now, so I guess it's hard to say that. But I I can assume that if they're releasing a diesel, they're going after uh, replacing their entry level uh, or replacing maybe the V8 as the workhorse mm-hmm. because people are always going to have, at least for the next few decades, they're going to have that resistance towards a, uh, a twin turbo V6. Right. So maybe uh, to, to sort of eliminate the use of V8s, they're trying to pump out a more efficient okay. model to replace the V8. Mm-hmm. And that'll be a V, uh, a V6. I think it's turbo diesel. Uh, most V6s, diesel V6s yeah. are turbo. So I think that maybe, and maybe that's why they're using their turbo technology from the EcoBoost and branding it now as a diesel to replace the V8. Mm-hmm. That to me makes the most sense because if you look at their lineup, the V8 is the most antiquated motor they have. So I think that this diesel uh, F-150 will replace the V8, V8 on a spec sheet. Yeah. So, um, okay. yeah, I I think that's that's their market. You want performance? Get a get a like performance proper performance. Yeah, for your everyday drive. Turbo, more so even for EcoBoost. your everyday driver. I think the EcoBoost would be a oh yeah better option. Yeah. Um, and actually, this these F one fifty and this F one fifty diesel announcement was made about a week and a half ago. Yeah. And ironically, on about Wednesday, I think it was some drama rose. Yes. Yes. Um, saying that. There is a class action lawsuit against Ford for cheating diesel emissions on 500,000 trucks. And when we say when we say diesel trucks, we're talking about the heavy duties, the heavy obviously duty because the yeah. F-150 diesel is not out. Yeah. Um, so and specifically, they're talking about the, the 250 and the 350. So nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, over half a million trucks have been yeah. af- have been affected by this. Um, and it's, it's a class action lawsuit against Ford and Bosch, which is apparently a supplier. Yeah. Um, that they installed emissions defeat devices mm-hmm. in its diesels. Before everyone loses their minds, I want to I want to preface this class action lawsuit with the fact that when when it happened with Volkswagen, it's a little bit different. You're selling, you know, uh, what would you call them? Non-commercial vehicles right. to regular people. Who are who are? It's a marketing. You know, the the Volkswagen diesels were marketed as uh, inexpensive, mm-hmm. economic, environmentally friendly. I guess diesels. Right. Uh, you know, for regular consumers, regular consumers don't like to be lied to because their their idea when they're buying the car it's intrinsically linked with them. So right. when when something comes out that 
guess what? If Volkswagen lied to you and your vehicle, it gets proper fuel economy, but at the, at the sake of the environment, then the, then the owner of that, of that vehicle is probably going to be a little bit upset mm-hmm. and say, you know what, maybe the fuel economy wasn't at the price of the environment. You know, I got kids, I got to worry about how much polluting my vehicle has been doing. Right. And I know I'm sound, I sound like a whole foods, uh, grass eating, uh, liberalist right hey, now, but I just, like whole foods. I like whole foods too, but it, just bear with me for a second. When you talk about fleet managers, mm-hmm. people who are, uh, and tow truck drivers and, and people who are buying the heavy duty F one fifties that are equipped with these diesels, these no, workhorses, two fifties, three, sorry, sorry, heavy, heavy duty, two fifty, three fifty, that are equipped with these power stroke diesels. I don't think you're going to get the same reaction of people losing their minds. Oh, like, yes, it's bad. Right. Maybe these do pollute quite a, quite a bit more. Than 50 each. times more oxides of nitrogen. Okay. Well, I think we have to first find out the stats of how bad this pollution issue was. Right. Granted, any time that you install an emissions, uh, what is it called? Emissions tricking or? Uh, defeat device. Uh, emission emission test defeat device. Anytime you install that is is already bad. Right. You should never. You should find a way of engineering uh, out the issues or not releasing the product at all. Right. But to compare this to Dieselgate from Volkswagen, I don't think is the same because mm-hmm. the markets are different, uh, right. and especially the amount of trucks that are affected right. don't even come close to the amount of Volkswagen vehicles that were affected. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, half yeah. a million compared to multiple million uh, millions of vehicles. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. Right. But it just it just seems like two different situations. These are commercial vehicles, mm-hmm. and while yes, it's still not right. I don't think that we're gonna ex- we can expect the same backlash from Ford because the 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 normal everyday consumer right. who's at home is not going to get a letter from Ford saying we apologize for installing this this device in your vehicle right. and lying and whatever. They're not going to have to do that the same way Volkswagen did. Okay. So I think that this situation is a little bit different just because of the fact that it involves commercial vehicles. Mm-hmm. So. But your thoughts, Mikey? No, well said. Oh, thank you. That encapsulated it all. Yeah. And would I ever not buy a, well, I would never be in the market for for a a heavy-duty Ford pickup truck anyway. But what does that affect Ford's brand in my mind at all? Um, Absolutely not. Well, me being a person that has recently been in the market for heavy-duty. Yeah. um, Granted, it was a 550 diesel. Yeah. um, No. Like no. it, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Uh, Again, I, like like you said, we're in com- we're in the commercial business. Yeah. It's pulling thousands upon thousands of pounds. Yeah. It, it, the environment, for me at least, is not the first thing. The value mind. to these people and their vehicles goes Sadly, beyond. Their, sad it their, is, their, yeah. Is, yeah. It's not an emotional tie to the vehicle. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm polluting the No, it's it's okay. I need a proper truck that's going to work. Now, if these vehicles came out and were were uh, defective and and uh, you know detonating their engines, mm-hmm. that'd be that's you're gonna lose money. One day your load's not gonna make it to its destination. That would be right. a reason for a commercial vehicle to to fail at its cause. Yeah. To be tricking, uh, you know, commercial vehicles don't should shouldn't yeah. be. At this point, you're getting yeah. the same result. You're just doing harm to the environment more so. Mm-hmm. And sadly, large companies, at least in the industry where these trucks are mostly used, yeah. especially in the southern Ontario area. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think people really care. No. And, and, and again, we're not saying that's a good thing. No, of course. All we're saying is that it, from an analyst point of view, this is not going to hit Ford as hard as it did Volkswagen. Yeah. I'm, I do not expect that by any means. Yeah. Well, it's a $4 billion lawsuit, so we'll see where it goes. It I, probably, I don't think they're going to get it. Probably won't hear anything for quite a while. Yeah. It's yeah. just ironic that oh, they yeah. released the F-150 diesel, and then a couple days well, later, this I, happened. I think that the reason why they have four, a $4 billion lawsuit is because they saw what happened with Volkswagen, and they're trying to, to cut Maybe. Uh, Ford you know, at their at their throat there. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're going to fail miserably just okay. because it's not going to get the same coverage as the Volkswagen did. Uh, Volkswagen thing did. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, another Ford truck. Yes. Another. Oh. another well, Ford Anthony Ranger. just looked at me and made a gesture that he has to use the little boys room. Apparently, so I think, yes. I think we're going to take another break. You guys are, you guys are getting to see behind the curtain here is what he's showing you. He's showing, he, you know, <laughs> we're, we're getting, we're getting too real, but yes, I do have to use the little boys room. Yeah. So uh, we'll be so back again in a half a second, half a second. And we're back. And we are back once again. Dratter, bladder drained. I was going to say dratter blained. All right. Bladder drained. Okay. Bladder drained. Um, anyway, back to some more Ford-centric news. And and I'm sorry, if anyone listening is not a fan of Ford, it's just the way that the Detroit Auto Show works. It is Detroit. There, I mean, Ford's there there were, save. A couple, there were a couple other trucks released. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, we took note of the ST. We took note of the yeah. F-150. We talked about it last week and said we would talk about it this week. Um, and then just the fact that last night there was the Ranger. Yes, that's the, um, the third. We figured let's just make this a Ford-heavy episode. Yeah. And then next week we'll fill in all the gaps with everything else. That exactly. We um, so, oh, oh, I just saw, sorry, What'd you uh, see? Some, some, uh, some news before we get into the Ranger. The 2019 Chevy Silverado 1500 is getting a diesel. Jeez, Apparently here we go. The Detroit Auto that, Show. How long ago was breaking that Breaking news. This was, uh, I think, today. Oh, yes, really? Sorry, yesterday at 7 p.m. So that's breaking news from Detroit. There you go. We will cover the, the Chevy 1500 diesel. Yep. We'll on cover the next Chevy's episode. GMCs. Yeah. Yep. We will go through all of that. Um, and again, if you don't like trucks, sorry, but it's Detroit Auto Show. You're going to get a lot of trucks. Yeah, especially news. at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so back to the next big thing from Ford. Yep. Finally after well, well I should know this. I think they stopped selling the Ranger here uh stateside in uh 2011 or 2012. So finally after uh a a uh what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, but Anthony has an emotional connection to Of course, and that's Rangers. probably why I can't If you follow I, us on Instagram, you can see that. Yes, uh and that's probably why I can't actually put the words together for this. Uh, yeah, go on. So basically, I mean, Ford Ranger are just at a loss of words. I know, I know. I, I'm tearing up a little bit here. Yeah. No, uh, the new Ford Ranger is back after an absence of, of about uh, was that I can't do math right now. Uh, five, uh, no, what, se- what year? seven years. What year? Uh, 2012, I believe, was the last one. So 2019 is coming back. Yeah. It's been gone for seven years, and in Europe they've they've kept selling it because they don't offer F-150s other than on this continent. Right. So, and even, I don't even think they sell F-150s in Mexico. Yep. Uh, but the new Ranger is back. Uh, it is, it is very much like the European model. Yep. Um, so it is, it's been a truck that's, it's not brand new. They didn't just come up out of thin air with this much like Chevy did with their, with their new Colorado. Um, this is a vehicle that's been on sale for, you know, however many years that they, mm-hmm. that they came up with a new one in Europe. But they're finally bringing it stateside because they've definitely seen the success of the Chevy Colorado. In fact, when uh, we just w- did a Timmy's run before the podcast in, in the Tim Hortons parking yeah. lot, we saw a very cool ZX2. Is it ZX2? I think it's ZX2. I think so. Yeah, it's the off-road package called Colorado. Cool. Yeah, like I think I think I said it, like if if I was in the market for a truck, oh yeah, like a smaller pickup, 
definitely would 100%. consider. My gosh. Good looking. Cool. You know it's capable. We, we've uh, we've checked the specs on it. Yeah. It comes with a lot of really cool uh, off-road it goodies. It just looks good, too. Yeah, and a solid little package. Yeah. Uh, and we can expect Ford to come out with an off-road variant. And again, like baby for, all you, for all you truck guys are going to say, oh, it's not a proper off-road vehicle. It's not the Raptor, you know. I, yeah. could, I I could get an XLT F one fifty and build it for half the price. You know, fuck off. Yeah, exactly, straight up. Exactly. Like appreciate that these companies are are willing to go this far to make you guys happy. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a it's a it's a cool little package. It is. It is from the brand. Yeah. Are, are you talking right now about the ZX two? I am. Okay. Yes. ZX two. We can both agree one of our favorite trucks of the year for sure. Yeah. Um, sure. But back to even this. Even given that the Raptor was released not too long ago. Yeah. This may trumpet. I don't know about okay, that. Okay. I don't know about that. You're <laughs> talking about the uh, uh, a Raptor that's I think insanely no, more no. capable. No. Um, no. Obviously the Raptor's competes, to another level. But yeah. The Raptor competes with the with the Dodge uh, Power Wagon. Yeah. But if you're looking at like the Toyota Rebel. Um, Tacoma TRD. Yeah. Uh, this blows. It oh, yeah. This is way it, cooler. Even, just like cosmetically. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't know that much about the, the, the Tacoma TRD. It's probably a very capable truck. Toyota tends to do very well yeah. uh, when they design things like that. But but this is going more after the market of that off, like pure off-roading. Baja style yeah, exactly. off-road. Yeah. And again, when we say pure off-roading, we don't mean, oh, this is a rock crawling machine. No. It's just got the look. No, and it's exactly. capable and it's a daily driver. Exactly. All right. So all That's of all you, it's meant to do. All of you truck guys. Keep quiet. See, you, you like, yeah, we both got our gripes with the, with the truck, uh, no, but with it's, the truck it, boys it, out there. No, fanboys in general just angry. I know, I know. I'm the same way. Uh, but Gotta back, be open to everything, guys. Come exactly. On. Back to this Ranger. If you guys know anything about the Rangers of the past, we're talking about the last, excuse me, gen that was here uh, stateside. They were very unrefined. The They basically were not updated for like a decade and a half. It was, if you bought a Ranger in the 90s and you bought a Ranger in the 2010s, like my model year, uh, they were basically the same thing, uh, you know, with except the 2010 model came with an aux cord, uh, but basically the same thing. So this is a fully more for a hundred percent more refined vehicle. This honestly looks like it shares a platform with maybe uh, like the Ford, um, I'd say maybe the Ford Expedition mm-hmm. or, or uh, even a smaller SUV. No, not the Expedition. No. Yeah. The Expedition sh- shares a frame with the, with the heavier duty vehicles. Yep. What's uh what's the larger one? Uh, the police cruiser. What's it called? The Ford. Uh, oh, how do I not know this? Excursion? No. What 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 do you mean? Police? What's what's the uh the same SUV? truck my my grandfather has? Yeah. What's that SUV? Explorer. That's Explorer. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. This I'm sure shares a frame with the Explorer. Sure. Yeah. It looks it looks the it looks like it's the same. Right. Size. Because they used like back in the day, Ford used to have the uh, Sport Track. Exactly. And I kind of see resemblances of that in this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it. But I think this is obviously much more. Is this bigger than the old Ranger? It looks uh, like. Uh, definitely. 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 It's. So I think. Much I think it's higher. more. Again, the Sport Track was more of like a um, Chevy, like a an Avalanche. Yes. Kind of type vehicle. Yes. Um, where it was like an SUV chopped off. Yeah, exactly. Um, but th- I, I do see some resemblances for sure and probably the mm-hmm. same interior size. So, yeah, definitely probably um, Ford Explorer sized, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, so, again, uh, why are we talking about this Ranger? Because it is exciting. It shows uh, that Ford is responding to GM, seeing the success of the Colorado uh, and bringing back the Ranger name uh, and in a totally different and revamped package. So, uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to get excited for this. It's a good-looking vehicle. Uh, the interior is significantly better than the, than the last model. It's a much nicer place to be. 
and it just occupies a space that currently Ford has no uh, no occupancy. The F-150s, as great as they are and in as many trim levels as they offer them in, just do not occupy a small truck space like the Colorado. So it's necessary that they have to bring the, the Ranger back, and I think they did it in a fantastic way. I am very excited to see when people start testing them. And it's coming here with a, a 2.3-liter EcoBoost yep. uh, from the Ford Mustang. Uh, actually, it's yeah. the same 2.3 liter that uh, that is in the Mustang. So it's going to be really interesting to see the performance of this truck. I'm sure it's going to be uh, fantastic. It's a global vehicle, so you know there's a lot of R&D in it. Uh, and I'm just looking here at the off-road features. An electronic rear locker for the rear diff, low-range uh, clip transfer case, terrain management system, uh, which we can assume is straight out of Range Rover, uh, you know, that they stole that from Range Rover. Maybe. Um, some uh, skid plates. Off-road tuned shocks, hmm, interesting. Uh, some trail control, basically off-road cruise control. Yep. Uh, you know, and I mean, again, given the um, oh, geez, um, the the truck that we just saw earlier, the uh, ZX2. Sorry, the ZX2. Yes, yeah, uh, which is the GMC Canyon. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Um, given that vehicle there, I'm excited to see if they try to compete with that, with this, to make like an off-road esque. A hundred percent, they will. Again, they're going to make yeah. a baby Raptor. I hope so. Yeah, that would so be pretty cool. Right now, the, the the initial offerings are only XL, XLT, and I think FX4. Of course, they got right? again. Yeah. They got to start somewhere. But a hundred percent, they will. And I have to say, as far as looks, uh, and I've, I've never not liked the Colorado, but this manages. Sorry, did I say Canyon? Well, that uh, Canyon is the GMC right. version, but yeah, same same I mean, truck. Yeah, Colorado and Canyon are the same. Right. Um. I, I have to say, I do think I like the look of this truck a little bit better. Yeah. Maybe because it looks a little bit more European to me, but I think that it's not as frumpy as the non-ZX2 Colorados are. Okay. The ZX2 Colorado, because they chopped off the, the lower bumper, has a very aggressive stance to it. Uh, obviously, that that being done to cut the, 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 um, the angles uh, mm-hmm. for the departure angles, uh, entry and departure angles for off-road. But this truck, with all of its bumpers attached, this new Ranger, I, I think it's just a better-looking vehicle. It looks really modern. It looks very European. Yeah. I like uh, can it. I just interrupt one second? Yeah, of course. Uh, the picture I'm looking at calls yeah. this one a Lariat. Okay, it's that's the orange, right? This like yeah. sunburst and orange shade. Because yeah. remember Ford changed their – they don't call them FX4s anymore. They say oh, okay. that the FX4 is an off-road package available in ah, multiple trim levels. I see. They changed that around 2015, 2016. So then what we're looking at here is a fully loaded model. Lariat, yeah. Okay. Got which, it. again, is offered in the F-150 series as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, if I have one opinion and offer of um, suggestion to Ford, they probably should have used this interior in the uh, Edge. Because it is it. a little bit nicer. It's a little bit nicer. It's still not still I mean, not up to par. Like the, the F, yeah, but it, there are hints of F one fifty in there. I think the F one fifty interior is maybe I'm biased, but I think it's phenomenal. I think the F one fifty and Mustang interiors are the only good interiors from Ford. Um, and they should probably trickle those into yeah. The other I ones. sat in a in a Focus RS earlier this week. Ooh, terrible for the money you're paying. I know when you can get a a, a Golf R or even a Type R. For the same amount of money. Yep. You see the interiors in those cars? Golf R looks like you're sitting inside of a Porsche. Type R, fantastically. You know what I mean. The interior quality. I sat in the brand new, when my brother ordered his, I sat in the brand new Golf R. Yes. Take back. Take that back. 
I'm talking about the quality of the materials. Maybe the layout is no, not poor. No, even then. No, Anthony, come on. What? Okay, I'm not going to get I'm gonna, this I'm going to bring I, in the golf art by you. You have had a chip on your shoulder about, about golfs ever since your brother had, had the no. first GTI. You don't like it's them, just, and that's fine, but they are for the money. It's a it, in, uh, in that segment. In that segment, you're not going to get a better interior. Again, when you're than talking about golf R and for the money, I kind of cringe. Hold on, hold on. Your... In that segment, I'm talking about a hot hatch. You're not going to get a better interior than a golf R. That's it. How much does golf R run you? I don't know. You mid fifties. You, you should know mid fifties. Yeah. Okay. How much does an S3 run you? That's not a hot hatch. Okay. Uh, an S3. Okay. How about the an S3 A3? is built off of an A3. Okay. The A3 each okay, Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, it's built off of That's an A3. Hatch. Okay, either way, it's built off of comes an in a hatchkin. Okay. The the electric okay. one. Again, what's the starting price I'm of an A3? It's not the starting price of a Golf. I don't know, but So, I, that's what I they have, have to work with. That's what they have to work with. I, I don't know, there's just a lot of plastic, a lot of bleh. Anyway, I don't know. Again, look at its competitors. Go sit in a fully loaded RS for the same amount oh, of money. I'm I'm, I'm not yeah. denying that. The only I'm thing is, is the the Type R that is a that's a solid interior. That is a really well done interior. Yeah. Uh, um, sorry, the A3 Sport Pack Etron electric yes. fuel economy ting. Uh, forty thousand dollars starts at. Not worth it. A3 sedan starts at thirty two. Mm. But again, we're not in the hot hatch category, sure. Exactly. But I mean, give me a give me a barth. Okay, you want to talk about bad interiors? Oh, and can <laughs> we also like... mention? Uh, again, relating back to YouTube, I don't know how much you like these guys, but I follow a lot of the guys. Um, over there in England, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. JWW. Oh boy! Uh, why don't you? I don't see your. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm just jealous. That's probably maybe it. he's cool. He's, he got, is really he's cool. got that lush hair. He is really cool. No, um, so Mr. JWW. Yeah. Uh, Supercars of London. Oh boy. And um, seen through glass. Oh boy. Those three guys. Yeah. They did a little series uh, a couple of weeks ago or a couple months. months yeah. Or the so three ago. Stooges go on. Yeah. Three Stooges. They did um, a hot hatch series where they went and drove through. Europe, wherever yeah. they went to. And it was quite funny because um, Mr. JWW ended up with a Mini Cooper. Weird choice. Which I guess you could kind of consider a hot, small, hatchy. I guess because every other, every other, uh, the hot hatch trio right now, the, the Golf R, RS, and Type R have all been done. Yeah, if you want to be different, get a, bring a Mini Cooper. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you had the Mini John Cooper Works. Uh, Sam from Seen Through Glass had the Abarth 595. Yeah. Which I think is super cool. It's not as cool as the 695. Um, oh, they're both cool. Like, they're yeah. cool, but not as cool. And uh, it re- this relates back to my Audi comment and how mm-hmm. you said it's not a hot hatch. Um, Supercars of London, he got an Audi RS3. Okay, not a hot hatch. Right, and uh, they made they they just ripped on on him the the entire time. Yeah, saying you didn't even get a hot hatch. And if you, that's this a is performance. A hot hatch that's a legitimate performance yeah. sedan. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Anyway, yeah. Um, Can we just note here? Yes, Anthony. No, I'm not gonna bring it up. You're not gonna bring up the headphones. I'll bring it up then. Nope. So just so you guys know, here here at time lapse, and we're about to get into watches, so we're just gonna finish on this little caveat. This just happened in one of our breaks. Yeah, here at time lapse, we we run a pretty stringent, uh, uh some pretty stringent tech. We run Audio Technica. Uh, well, just okay, it's, it's great not value. That stringent. It's pretty basic. Or whatever. It's just, we like headphones. It's good. Yeah, we like headphones and, and mics, and quality is important to us. We run Audio Technica. Mikey just recently got a new set of Audio Technica headphones. Yeah. I was and asked using, me. I was I was using before. 
before that, the Beats Pros. Yeah. Um, and they kind of, the wire broke. And I was They're like, hey, buzzing. This, this is a good opportunity to get new headphones. Exactly. So he asked me, hey, you got the M40Xs, right? No, 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 no. I said, which Audio Technicas do you have, Anthony? And you said... I said, are they the M40s? And you said, well, they're not the M40s. They're the M40X. So make sure you get the X. Okay. Well, so, you know, I, naturally, I go to Best Buy. I'm like, oh, there's the M40X. Buy them. $150. Yeah. Go. And we're here today. And I said, you know, the headphones aren't that good. And he's like, oh, what are you talking about? They're not that good. Da, 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 da. And on our break, just a little while ago, Anthony looks at his phone. And he's like, you know what? Mine say M50X. <laughs> Basically, the difference between him buying a C300 and me having a C63, I guess, is the he, is the difference here. Sorry, der- you bought a C43 and I have a C63. Yeah, so I got a shit car. Yeah. And you got a real AMG. <laughs> no. Anthony. 43 is not a shit car, but now we're going to no, have to find not. a way uh, for Mikey to sell these headphones so you can get proper ones. If anyone out there listening is interested in a, in a gently basically brand new I mean, brand used, newish used set. for what are we at here uh 55 minutes and 54 seconds yeah but mikey you guys should know does have ear cheese uh and those are now covering the headphone uh <laughs> i'm kidding they're totally clean uh if you need for a set of headphones those of Vic, you if you're cannot... listening victor if you're listening and need a set of headphones uh let me know because we, we can hook you up with a set of of audio technica they're, they're great headphones maybe not the best for monitoring but they're definitely better than what most people have um but i think we should move on from uh from our headphone discussion onto watches mm-hmm is that sound of it? Mikey is just giving me mm-hmm. the evil eye right now. Uh, I got to gotta call Eric over here to get the corne so I, I'm safe and protected. All right. And let's go to watches. Let's go to watches. And I think we got to do the customary wristwatch check. Wristwatch check. And Mikey, for all of you that follow us on Instagram, you got a little preview of that. Yes. Yes. You guys did. But Mikey, you go first. Today, I am wearing my Carrera. The tag. Uh, yeah. the, the same one. The Hoyer one. My favorite. Is it your favorite? No, I, said, I said like a, a favorite of yours. Oh, a favorite. Uh, uh, I mean, given that I only have a couple, yes, I suppose. Yeah. No, but I like wearing it. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. It's rugged and. No, I, I think it's stylish. It's uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting piece to talk about. It definitely catches people's eyes. Yeah, it's a nice watch. We've, we've talked about it. Before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and I am uh, matching your chronograph game with uh, a Hamilton Jazzmaster Auto Chrono on a uh, it's a crown and buckle, excuse me, navy blue rally strap. Uh, it's nice. It was a it was a gift uh, I I received when confirming my younger brother. Uh, it's very popular in the Italian culture. Actually, when I think confirming yeah, we, someone. I think we talked about that. Yeah. Oh, we must have at some point. Yeah, uh, it looks really good on that strap. Oh yeah, it's it's a great chronograph. I, we'll have to post that one online. Yeah. Yeah. On I'll, Instagram. Yeah, we'll do we'll do maybe something with the audio technicas. Sorry to bring it back up. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm I'm just staring right through this guy. Jeez, jeez. Uh, anyway, let's move on to watches. And uh, <laughs> well, something exciting is happening in the world of watches, which isn't often, I have to say. Uh, but obviously, SIHH is yep. happening right now. Oh, uh, you can tell the people again what that means. Like the actual name? Yeah, what's the acronym for? Salon International de la Haute Horlogerie. Horlogerie. And this is taking place in Switzerland. Is that right? Yeah, Geneva. Yes, in Geneva, Switzerland. So, um, I mean... The show, it's much like it's, it's the Detroit Auto a, Show. Like it, it, I mean, that was in a different language, of course. We're yes. speaking English. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a gathering for prof- for professionals in the watchmaking industry. There you go. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. 
And uh, this show still, again, in its infancy, it's only it's only been going on. Yeah. Actually, we're not even sure if it's completely started. I, I, you know what? I tried finding details about it, yeah. and I could not. But, I mean, I see guys flying out there. And, yeah. uh, and companies have been releasing the models yeah. that they're going to have on to, display at the show. Tidbits here and there. So, and it's, it's just exciting because yeah. it kind of sets a trend for the next year to come. Exactly. And the watch world right now is a buzz with new models and information. Yep. Um, but I think one of the most uh, entertaining things out of the watch world right now is the drama following mm, H. Yeah. Moser. And why don't you fill the good people in on what's happening with H. Moser? Um, so basically, HMC is what we'll refer to them from now on. It's just a little you know, easier. Yeah, okay. Um, well, it, I, people, if you've ever heard of Moser, will know it as Moser, not HMC. Okay. Well, it's we'll, H. Moser Company. We'll but anyway. Him, we'll call them Moser. Yeah. Um, they're a very young company. I think 2009? Mm-mm. No? That young, really? You know, I think... Uh, I would have thought a little bit older than that. Okay, while you search up the date, I'll give... 2002. Little, okay, 2002, yeah. It's still very still young in the grand scheme of that watchmaking. Is, that is like days old in the scheme of watchmaking. Yeah. If watchmakers were, were people... Yeah, they're, they're a very young they are, company. Yes, very young. Um, but uh, continue. And basically, they made an announcement um regarding this watch should we preface this by telling them because uh, again people may not be as into this as we are so mm-hmm. uh, moser has been known for stirring the pot yeah they, again uh, they're a very young company yeah so they gotta young make CEO, themselves they young marketing themselves department look kind of big and yeah and and in the past when the i when the iphone or apple, I, watch. apple watch geez i watch when the apple watch came out yeah. uh moser actually took the design of the Apple Watch and then put their mechanical movement and dial into yeah. it as sort of a way to say, to mock the design yeah, of the Apple Watch. Yeah, they called it the Swiss Alp Watch. Yeah, something like that. Then they also made their watch out of cheese. With the cheese bezel, yeah. Yeah. The cheese watch. It's a cheese watch. Um, I don't know the full stories behind the cheese watch, but obviously the other one was a knock to Yeah. And and I think watches. it's also pertinent to understand that this is a company that sells watches that's uh, in the in the upper echelons of watchmaking. Uh, mm-hmm. Like their watches go for tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. This is not like a a, a young a rinky company. dink. Yeah, no, this is well, a it is a young company. Young, but they're but not. It's, it's not a. It's not a like a shit show. Yeah, these these. This is a proper Swiss right. watchmaker that's um, that's throwing uh, I think, out I jam think like this. Like, like a uh, similar thing to just like doing like childish stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say childish, but about a year ago they took Swiss made right off the face of their watch. Yeah, they said I don't want to be a part of calling our watches Swiss made yeah. because they don't agree with how that works. And they don't agree with the regulations behind, behind the trademark of Swiss made. Right. Uh, they think that it, they should be more stringent. And recently I think they've, uh, they have done the Swiss government has done something to, to make the, the regulations behind putting the name Swiss made on your watch yep. more. They've put more restrictions right. uh, to make it harder for companies to say that their watches are Swiss made. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, the story is that the Moser's uh, CEO and, and I guess the rest of the company wasn't happy with those restrictions. Right. They thought that there Edward should be for Edward. For, if you're listening, Edward. Edward, uh, CEO of Moser. Edward. He, he thinks that there should be more restrictions. And for that reason, he. Which he's not incorrect, no, really. Like, I, he I has can definitely a point. appreciate that. Yeah. Just the way he goes about doing things and we'll we'll see that with what we're about to talk about yeah i don't think is the right way of doing mm-hmm. things it's kind of immature and shows the age of the brand yeah um so basically what they did is they created a watch 
and they called it I, I I believe they called it the Icon Watch. Do you ha- you said they had a different nick uh, a, a funny name I for haven't it. been able to find the name of this watch okay. since I originally first saw it. But but basically yeah. um if you guys haven't seen it it looks like a Frankenstein. Yeah. And it encompasses I'm going to I'm going to list it out cuz there's yeah. a list of basically what they did is they took they made a watch with s- aspects from different watch brands yeah um famous aspects right it, it's got the the gmt master 2 bezel the colors mm-hmm. um with the royal oak shaped bezel mm-hmm. the, the bezels are shaped like the royal oak um the hands are the hands of a brigade mm-hmm. the logo hms it says hmc um right there and it, it's shaped and stylized exactly the same as iwc the crown is a cartier crown um, the numbering on on the dial, their Panerai numbers. The crown guard is that from a Panerai right. Luminor. Yep. Um, the dial is that of a Patek uh, Nautilus. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the case looks exactly like a Hublot case. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, I believe we have posted this on Instagram in our um, build up to today's yeah, episode. Yeah, you guys are wondering what it looks like, right? And you kind of do need a visual of it. And when you see it, you'll pick up on those things right away. Yeah. Um, and basically why they did this in the grand scheme of things is to sell it at SIHH for yeah. charity. Auction it off for charity. And with the proceeds going to a, a Swiss watchmakers, uh, basically the, um, the young Swiss watchmakers like foundation. Exactly. So to, to, um, the to actual help the name of it, the art has escaped forward. me. Um, but it's not too important. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's, it, that's a, Great cause, sure. Mm-hmm. And the thing behind this is they're angry because these big brands are their marketing strategies are to them incorrect. Yes, they're going after celebrities, um, social media influencers, people that aren't tied to the watchmaking industry at all. Yeah, um, just people that are very popular, and they just throw a whole bunch of them in their brand. For example, Tag. Mm-hmm. And Tudor, you see this a lot. Uh, Tudor has, um, what's her name? Lady Gaga. It's Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. They got, um, what's his name? David Beckham. David Beckham. Oh, man, yeah. look at you. Uh, Tag's got Alec Monopoly, um, Tom Brady, uh, Martin Garrix. Mm-hmm. Any of these people, what do they have Like, what do they have to do with it? And I they brought did the David Guetta. There you go, even better. And David Guetta hadn't even released anything new yeah. at that point. And Even Martin Garrix, like, well, who, Martin Garrix is pretty prominent in the EDM maybe scene. five years ago. Yeah. Anyways, regardless, yeah. that just proves the point even more. Yeah. These people have nothing to do with it. Sure, that's marketing. You, you mm-hmm. find people that are very popular and you attract people that know nothing about watches. Exactly. And it attracts them to it. Sure, that's great. But it takes away from kind of what they want and what, what they like, what they want the watch yeah. to be about. Yeah. Um, and they're clearly Moser's upset about this. Mm-hmm. So they created this watch to auction it off, good cause, and all the proceeds are gonna go to that foundation for young yeah. young watchmakers. Great. Um now the drama. Now Hodinki posted this article um back on January tenth. Um, basically a build up to what this watch is and what it's for, and basically saying that they're taking a hit at all these watch brands. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a funny, pretty funny commercial. I showed this to Anthony earlier today, mm-hmm. um, that Moser released. It basically takes place in a bar and it cycles through the bar and shows, uh, different people, basically these celebrity ambassadors that they're talking about 
mainly all taking hits at tag. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's pretty funny. They show the guy that looks exactly like Alec Monopoly spray painting, and obviously Alec Monopoly has nothing to do with watches, and mm-hmm. that's obviously a tag Hoyer reference. Um, and there's basically all these celebrity ambassadors getting drunk and stomping all around the bar and stepping on the tables right where there's we can see like a watchmaker in a white lab coat with a magnifying glass in their eye trying to build a watch. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, look at all these people that are now the center of this watch world stepping on the people that have built the foundation of the watch exactly. world. Um, so upon this, not really outrage, some people really didn't care. Some people found it funny. Some people found it insulting. Yeah. Um, Moser pulled out and said, okay, we're not, we're not going to sell it anymore. Yeah. Um, I could read the official statement. It's not too long. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, it says, dear H Moser friends and others. No one said hashtag make Swiss made great again would be easy. That's kind of like the, um, the tagline that they mm-hmm. initiated this whole thing with, which I think is kind of funny. Um, would be easy. You might have noticed that we have stopped our campaign promoting our Swiss icons watch while our objective. Our objective was to pay tribute to the great founders of our beautiful industry and warn against certain practices of others. The message was unfortunately sometimes misunderstood. As such, the Swiss Icons Watch will therefore no longer be presented and won't be sold to raise funds to support education and training of young Swiss watchmakers. But fear not, we still have a number of surprises to share with you next week at SIHH. Sincerely, Edward Maylan. So... Right there, he's basically saying, you all took this the, this Swiss Icons watch in particular out of uh, context, and mm-hmm. we didn't want to portray it in that way. As A lot of people are saying that they're insulting all these brands that are shown on the watch. But what he's kind of implying here is that, no, we're tipping our hat to all these brands mm-hmm. because these brands have held true to this, this standard in watchmaking or whatever. Because, again, if you watch their commercial and what I think about this is their commercial really hit at tag. And I, I've even mentioned personally to like my group of friends here um, that I'm not really... It kind of upsets me with tag that they are using all these people. Yeah. Um, it kind of... They, they, I've said basically the exact same thing that he's saying. And it is true. And if you see, there's no resemblance of tag in this watch. Mm-hmm. So why would he produce a commercial that is jabbing right in at tag and if he was indeed making this watch to insult these people, why would he not include tech? No, he, he clearly, I mean, every design element in this watch comes from a a company of high horizon. Right, and if, if you look at so, all these companies, they don't have all these aspects of marketing that mm-hmm. he's talking about. Yeah. So, For the most part. Obviously, Rolex has their ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Uh, IWC has their uh, ambassadors. But they downplay them quite a bit. Yeah. They don't hold them to this high regard and say, like, go on the Tudor website. What's the first thing you see? Lady Gaga's yeah. head. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, on, it makes no on sense. On Tag's Instagram, I, I mean, I didn't even, I remember scrolling through scrolling through one day and seeing uh, Liam Hemsworth and thinking, I don't follow GQ. Yeah. It, sure enough, it was Tag's Instagram. And right. then the next picture was Jean-Claude Bivier, of course, CEO, he's CEO of Tag Cure, right? Yep. Yeah. Or uh, head. I don't know what yeah. his official position is, but he's the uh, head and the face of it. Yeah. Exactly. So. And he's arm in arm with with uh, Liam Hemsworth. What mm. the hell? What does Liam Hemsworth have to do with tag? Right. Again, he's just an ambassador. But yeah. why? Like, is he a notable like like race car driver? Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Exactly. They're just creating all these ambassadors to create special editions. Yep. 
and they're bringing back icons from racing or mm -hmm. icon divers from back in the day every couple of years just a really special edition for no reason yeah and i said that i, I talked about this about oris it's the same thing about special editions you devalue it it yeah. doesn't matter but then tag is probably one of the most profitable companies out of all of them yeah. all and the marketing strategy works but it's not true to watchmaking i agree um a lot of people think that he released this statement just to cover himself up mm -hmm. um, obviously he pulled out because there were likely some some of these larger companies that were involved with the idea of this watch yeah. not sorry not involved with the idea of creating it but they were in the design, it, like the, yeah, the look of it mm -hmm. um probably lawyered up and said you gotta pull this thing or yeah. something's gonna happen um but i think he's per being pretty honest with people taking it out of context um, i think so too. just given given the commercial that he released and just me putting it like one two and two together i don't know he's got the right message terrible way of doing of like, trying to portray it I agree a hundred percent with you. And maybe just to elaborate on your point there, um, what I think he had the the best of intentions with, right, with this of watch. However, and, and all of his points, ninety nine percent of them, I agree with. Yeah, yeah. However, the marketing strategy was flawed. Right. The only way you'd ever be able to appreciate what he did is if you knew the whole story. Right. And uh, you have to see that commercial to understand the whole story. I, I if agree. You see the commercial, because, you'd understand right away who he was targeting. If you only right. see this watch. The first thing you notice is, oh, my God, he's making fun of Panerai. He's making fun of right. uh, Hublot. He's right. making fun of uh, the Nautilus uh, from Patek. He's making fun of Tubilion just by having uh, you know, that. Yeah, and I think, right I think that, that bridge, that gold bridge there is actually an accent. Uh, I think Gerard uh, Perigot does, yeah. does something similar to that yeah. as well. Um, it, it's just it, it was very poor execution. However, what he was trying to do was a very difficult move right. strategically. Especially at, 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 with his... I mean, presence in the watchmaking exactly. industry. Exactly. Um, yeah. And getting back to that, like, it, it was just a terrible marketing strategy, yeah. which in turn is kind of hypocritical of himself because mm -hmm. he's trying to stop these terrible marketing uh, strategies and look by what using he, uh, and, yeah. and look what he just did. So not a good, not a good move that way. He has good intentions, I think. I think so too. Uh, now it's just too, it shows it shows the age of him and the yeah. company. Yeah. Now, now, what could he have done differently? I mean, had had I been in in that situation. If you're going to craft a homage watch, you should know the first don't, element of design is to have a clear path. Don't even try, don't even try to use your product to, to shame others. Yeah. If you want to do something, contact, reach out to these large companies and say, hey, I want to put together um, a committee yeah. that wants to strive towards doing something better. There's, yeah. in, in every other industry, there's committees that do this. Mm -hmm. That, that try to make stuff better and try to weed out the, like the, the shitty stuff. Mm -hmm. Do that. Start start something there. I think this was a terrible way of going all, about it. All this strategy did was get people talking about Moser. But and they have maybe no problem that, doing that. Maybe that, that they, was part yeah. of his intention. But, but guess what? I think back when he re released the um, the Swiss, Swiss Alpine watch, was it called? Yeah, the Apple lookalike watch. Yeah. Um, people were talking about that as well. Mm -hmm. And guess what? A couple of weeks later, a month later. No one cares. No one talked about Moser again. Yeah. Again, I... I do you like some of their pieces? I think. I mean, but, you know my opinion. I love minimalist design. Right. And but this is just a little bit essence. of a turnoff. It yeah. kind of got the negative effect. And and we'll see. He, he did say at the end of his um, statement that the um, they will have a number of surprises mm -hmm. closer to the end of um, SAWH. So I guess we can look forward to that. And maybe yeah. next week we can have some good things to say about Moser. Oh, hopefully we'll, we'll see. And one thing, one thing I do want to last on. If you are 
working at Moser and or you are the CEO of Moser and you understand that your pieces sell for tens of, of thousands of dollars, do you really think it's appropriate to call out a company like, like Tag who sells, let's be honest, entry level Swiss and maybe a little bit, you know, a beyond entry level Swiss? They they have a different marketing strategy. You are not going to have celebrity and uh, you know um, influencers and stuff like that as yeah. part of your marketing strategy because who are they marketing to? Yeah. They would just be marketing to other celebrities and wealthy people who can, who can afford the watch. Right. Unfortunately, Tag takes a space where they have to use celebrities to market their affordable watches. Mm-hmm. That's just it. And and you see Tag do this. Uh, who the, else the people, occupies the that space? The people in the market for that type of watch will be more attracted to seeing. Oh, uh, this celebrity is wearing exactly. this. Oh, well, I, w- I want to be wearing exactly. that same watch. So is it really so wrong what they're doing? You know what? I started thinking about this even on the car ride up here. Uh, and and honestly, Tag has not that much history to draw from regardless. They're not watering down their history by filling their Instagram with Liam Hemsworth and Lady Gaga yeah. or wh- whomever they choose. Let's, because just, let's just point out that Anthony does know that it is not Gaga. Yes, he I just know. does that. I just he thinks it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. But anyway, uh, you know, they they I'm sure know what they're doing, and unfortunately, I mean, where does Tag's uh, horological importance come from? Yeah. From their the race timing that they did in the '60s. Before that, who you know, Jack yeah. Octavia, or I forget his name. Anyway, yeah. he uh, what did they have before then? Or Jack Hewer, I think it was. Okay. So they're just drawing on and again. It's uh, not, and I'm sure um, Moser wasn't only pointing this towards mm-hmm. tag it's just that tag was very prominent in that worst, commercial yeah, yeah they and, were one of the worst and personally we've this. we've um observed this in the past so that's why we're relating to tag so much yeah um but yeah that's pretty well it with that mm-hmm. and um we'll see what unfortunately the they're not are. releasing the watch for sale anymore yeah but so unfortunately it won't even go to a good cause right all the, yeah all the all, after know, all that by it Hopefully something good will come out of it. Uh, if yeah. not, whether you like Moser or not, at the end of it is totally up to you. I still think that they're that they have a, a place in the watch industry, and I just think that they'll have next time they'll have to uh, maybe hire a better marketing director so that they at least release the commercial, which clearly identifies that they're not going after uh, Panerai. Yeah, that's, at least that's after, the way I look at it. Yeah, yeah. IWC. They they were going after the the other brands that are not homaged in this watch mm-hmm. and if you understood that then you would you wouldn't look at this mo- this watch and say oh my god they're disrespecting uh rolex they're disrespecting iwc they're disrespecting well without Panerai. seeing that commercial that's the way you see it exactly that's right? what i'm saying yeah. so it, the marketing director did not do a good job i think every if i was the marketing director there i would make sure that the picture of this watch came up at the end of the of that commercial or at least that the, the commercial or, or was have posted. a tagline that says let's appreciate the yes the icons of the industry yeah. and then show the watch they did call it the don't, swiss don't, icon watch i know but, but don't leave it open for interpretation exactly because yeah. that's when stuff again happens. and and i'm sure they even thought of that but very very difficult strategy to to uh info to, yeah. to play out so for sure We'll see what Moser does, uh, but that's our uh, watch industry drama for the week. Yeah, and let's move on to something a little bit more personal. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little more, bit more exciting. Personal. Yeah, yeah. So, as most of you know, I have uh, I've been looking for a vintage watch. Uh, that was one of my watch goals for 2018. Yep. And uh, uh, you know, at home, I'm always talking about vintage. I'm always looking into vintage. And my dad overheard me speaking about vintage Universal Geneva and vintage Seiko. And uh, I don't know why it clicked in after you know 24 years I've been on this earth. He said, "Hey." Uh, you know what you you might find interesting, uh, and I was like, "What?" He's like, uh, "My grandfather's pocket watch." Actually, sorry, it was my mom that reminded him of of my my great grandfather's pocket watch. Yeah. 
So I was like, uh, yeah, definitely. Let me see. Um, so my dad goes downstairs, searching, searches through some boxes and eventually brings out this little red box that I have in front of me here. Cause I did bring it in today so we can uh, take some pictures and, and put it on the, um, on the Instagram for you guys. Um, and we open up the box. Of course, pocket watches come in a different box than a regular watch. Yeah. They sit sort of on like a little pillow. Um, so I open it up. Very I, elegant. Yes. I open it up and I'm looking at this, uh, Waltham pocket watch uh gold or not it's not real gold it's like a maybe a brass or just a cap yeah, like brushed or yeah or something something like capped with a with a gold colored uh anyway it has an engraving on the back of what looked like doves coming from some sort of wind yeah. storm it's hard to make out because yeah. it was worn and it's worn it's been used yeah and uh and so i'm looking at this thing and i'm just in awe like this is my great grandfather's pocket watch mm-hmm. and uh and of course me being a watch enthusiast uh i i lo- i'm looking at the crown and i know that pocket watches are mechanical so i start to turn it and i cl- turning it a few times nothing's happening i'm thinking well what are the chances it's not going to work this thing is who knows how yeah, old uh, did you find out how old it was yes yeah, so well i'll i'll get there i'll okay, get there sure. but anyway uh so i'm turning the crown and then i hear it and it goes and it just like I got a chill the minute that that happened. Who knows the last time that this was wound up? My dad clearly forgot about it. My whole life, I've never known about this thing. Yeah. So no, no one has showed interest. No one has run it. Uh, my great grandfather passed away when my dad was maybe like twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. So he ha- he hadn't used the watch in in a very very long time, probably since the the seventies, right? Um, or or earlier than that. Um, so just an incredible piece of my family history, uh, and in, I mean, maybe, maybe the fact that I found it now, uh, it, maybe it's fate because I can appreciate something like this yep. now as a watch enthusiast, I, I, I understand that it's not just an old pocket watch. This mm-hmm. has history to it. Uh, but the first thing I did, I brought it upstairs and I started researching. So, uh, what I did find, uh, first thing I found out how to open up the back and, uh, because the face and the, the back case of the pocket watch don't have any serial numbers on them right so i found out how to, how to unscrew the back um there there is the the you know there's the the um the hairspring and the balance wheel moving so i'm very being very careful with it uh Wal- uh waltham american uh watch company that's the company who, who made it and this movement was made I'll say, I'll say movement because i'm not sure if it's the original movement for this pocket watch there does seem to be indentations around the side suggesting that it was replaced but this movement was made, manufactured in 1916, hmm. making it 102 years old. Yeah. And it's still running. Now, it's probably been serviced since right. then, I'm sure, Damn in 102 sure. years. Most likely. Uh, but it, it's, uh, it just it blows my mind. It, and honestly, we, we say the number 102. How it's hard, often it's hard you, to realize how, yeah, how long ago that was. This isn't like, you know, we think, oh, wow, 70s, yeah, 60s, 50s, vintage. Right. This is double as old yeah. as a, this is from 1916 before Hitler before uh the the you know modern before the model T I think the model T was released in the 1910s and yep. 20s that's when this watch was was made the world was a different place Canada mm-hmm. was a different place in 1916 yeah. so much has happened since then and to know that this piece of uh of you know my family history has survived and still works it it holds time after I wound it that first time it ran for 12 hours I, I I wound it up at around eight thirty five. It it stopped working around eight twelve the next morning. Um, so just incredible. Mm-hmm. A little bit of history on the Waltham company. So the Waltham uh, the watch making company called Waltham was was originally uh, was 
started in uh, in the mid 1700s uh, in Boston, Waltham, Boston, uh, which is a town in Boston, right off the river, um, and they produced American watches to compete with what, what was happening over in Europe. Now, the thing that they did that that has some actual importance to American industrialization, they started the uh, assembly line for watches. What happened, but previous to Waltham, watches were made in Switzerland by one person, uh, collecting all the parts and putting it all together. What Waltham uh, created was an assembly line. So it was the, apparently the first uh, industrial factory where raw material would, would, would enter at one end and a finished product would come out of the other. Right. So they made their own metal. They made their own cogs. They made their own gears and springs and everything. Wow. Uh, and then by the end of the assembly line, it was together as a watch mm-hmm. and they, it also made them very affordable, which is why my great grandfather, an immigrant owned one. This is an entry level Waltham. There are Walthams, uh, railroad uh, grade Walthams, railroad, meaning the highest quality, because mm-hmm. that's when they, that's what they needed to be. If they were used on the railroad, very accurate. Um, it, Walthams went all the way from entry level like this one, which probably sold at the time for maybe a, who knows what the, yeah, the equivalent knows, right? of a couple of hundred dollars in today's market, all the way up to what the, what the equivalent would have been a couple of thousand dollars today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they weren't like high horology or anything. Right. They were just an American brand that offered affordable timepieces. Yep. Um, but they had a huge importance to the American industrial revolution. Henry Ford actually got his, his uh, some of his, his ideas on, on assembly line production from the Waltham factory. And, and for a time, the Waltham factory was the largest single um, building in the world, single enclosed building in the world. This is the updated factory. It started much smaller and grew as the watches right. became more popular. Also, you'll be you'll like to know Abraham Lincoln had a Waltham watch. Oh, really? Yes. That's how old this company is. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I said mid 1700s, mid 1800s is when they started. Okay. They were only around for about a hundred years, from about eighteen, uh, I think, early eighteen forties until um, until about the nineteen fifties. Okay. The quartz crisis killed the Waltham watch company. Um, but uh, their their success in the eighteen hundreds came from two things: the American Civil War and the invention of railroads. Because the American Civil War, it was much more advantageous if every soldier had a watch. Mm-hmm. You could time attacks much better. Right. So soldiers would carry these Waltham pocket watches. Uh, and, and companies like Elgin and other American companies came around at that time for that reason. Also, uh, the invention of the railroads, uh, and the, the subsequent crashes that would, that would happen with, with trains hitting each other, sharing tracks, forced the need for proper, accurate timekeeping. And that's when, uh, when pocket watches really became, uh, you know, a railroad icon. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think of a, of a conductor, you tend to think of a guy with a little chain going from his button right, to yeah. a pocket strap. Exactly. And and that is where precision, uh, mecha- uh, pocket uh, mechanical pocket watches. You know that was the need was was to keep accurate railroad time. Mm-hmm. Um, so very cool watch. It's taught me a whole lot about pocket watches, uh, and I've, I you know I've I've just been able to appreciate this hundred and two year old piece right. of of watch yeah. history. Very very cool. Um, so have I gotten my vintage fix for the year? Possibly. 
Hmm. Uh, I don't think I, I, I was going to, going to go out and buy a uh, Seiko Lord Marvel. Uh, yep. But, uh, I mean, I honestly can't really justify spending that money when I still have something I can appreciate uh, that means so much more. Right. And uh, exactly. So much more. Yeah. It's, it's personal. It's a totally different experience. Exactly. Um, so, uh, I mean, this is not mine. This is my father's. But yep. the, I, the natural way of things is you, one day I, I hope to inherit this piece and, and just uh, take care of it. And, it really blows my mind. Uh, I use this this example to explain it to my brother. My brother was less impressed. He's not as much into watches, but I yeah. use this example. I he was on his phone, so I grabbed his phone, and I said, "Can you imagine if your children's children's children were playing with this phone sometime in the future?" Yeah, that's the same as as me holding my great grandfather's pocket right. watch. And if one day I can pass it down, that's right. this man's children's 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 children using. This yeah. piece of, of technology for the time, yeah, and 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 appreciating it for what it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, is there anything that that's ever happened to me uh, that's that that is as cool as this? Not since I I inherited my nonno Seiko, uh, nonno but that's grandfather in Italian. Uh, not since I inherited his Seiko because, but that was for a different reason. Uh, it's it's not impressive uh, by how old it is or anything. It just it, it ties a it's piece of special. him to me and, yeah. and him being gone now. That's how yeah you you can you can try and, and remember him uh, through something like this. Exactly. So the, I never knew the man that that uh, operated this pocket watch, but he had a huge impact on my father. He lived with my father uh, when my father was growing up, so it, it it ties back to me that way. And of course, this is the man who came to Canada and. And is you know e- equally responsible for my as my other uh, great grandparents were or grandparents were for starting a life in Canada and, and right. really helping build what I enjoy today mm-hmm. a life where I can record podcasts with my buddy on the weekends yeah and give him wrong advice on headphones oh yeah yes of course you're gonna bring that up uh, so thank you great grandfather uh, if you're out there listening in in heaven um, I'm not uh, let's not get into religious no things yeah now. let's stay away from yeah that. but. Uh, um, but uh yeah really really appreciate this uh, no it's something awesome and something um that i wouldn't like i can't see myself getting and pretty envious of that okay yeah that's uh i mean it's a weird well it's true because yeah yeah, very fortunate anthony to be able to obtain something like that thank you thank you i uh obtain again it's not mine but at the at the same time it's indirectly you have it's in your family yes yes family uh yeah something very cool mm -hmm. yeah so um i think that was all that we had for watches today uh yeah i think that pretty well wraps everything up for today um and we're still in the midst of siwh so there will be lots more watch stuff going on Um, we'll try and post a little bit more on instagram through the week of Mm -hmm. stuff to look forward to the next podcast both Mm -hmm. with with uh, watches and cars Um, and again follow us on instagram Mm -hmm. at time lapse podcast uh, you can find us on SoundCloud. Just search Time Lapse or Time Lapse Podcast. Mm-hmm. Same with iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, iTunes Podcast. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I mean, there's no action there, but it's at Time Lapse Podcast if you want. If you want to look at an empty wall. You know, that sometimes that's fun. It's there. Yeah. And uh, again, next week, guys, we will have another show for you uh, with updates from the Detroit Auto Show and CIWH. Uh, SIWH, my bad, uh, because these shows are still running. Uh, but until then. Yeah, we'll see you later. See you in the next one. And drive safe.